Sundoku Book Club, where we finally get around to reading the books that have been sitting on our shelves for forever. I'm Emily Miner. And I'm Leith Nelson. And on this episode, it is my turn, although we are a bit late. Sorry about that. And, and actually, I have a bit of a confession to make for this episode. <laughs> that was the pun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did actually did not finish this book, and it's not because I am not enjoying it. I am, but I decided we could not be any later than a week late for this <laughs> podcast, so we are doing it. So for this episode, I read most of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, Clive Staples Lewis, mm-hmm. actually, and I have a lot to talk about <laughs> for this book uh which is probably a you know a, it's probably a good thing that I didn't finish it because if I did I would this would be an hour long episode like right. I'd have even more notes so um I kind of feel like I can't talk about this book without talking about my own religious beliefs in my background Mm -hmm. um because like this is such a personal topic so i surprisingly did not get this book from my dad or a family member um i got it from a friend of mine who is jewish (laughs) (laughs) and she had a whole like collected set of um c.s lewis published works and was leaving a couple years ago and getting rid of a bunch of books to downsize, and I snagged these from her. So this is part of a set that I got from her a couple years ago at this point, and I've always sort of meant to read more C.S. Lewis. Like, I grew up reading the Chronicles of Narnia books, and he's definitely somebody that my dad has talked about and quoted quite a mm-hmm. bit throughout my life so like even when i didn't own them i'd always kind of meant to get around to them and then i owned them for two years and only now have i cracked one open (laughs) so perhaps some of the others will grace this podcast another time do you know if your friend had read these books or that is a really good question i actually have absolutely no idea (laughs) but i can ask her um shout out to kira if you're listening to this this is you But yeah, I actually have no idea. I, my guess would be that she hasn't, I guess. And maybe that's why she's getting rid of them because she figures she probably won't end up reading them Mm. and don't, doesn't want to drag them around to Alabama. I really don't know. I'd have to ask her. That's a good question. Something I should know. Anyway, so I am not particularly religious. Um, I grew up religious. I was, um, sweet. My family, when I was born, we started in a Baptist church, um, in Illinois. And then we moved when I was about seven or eight and then ended up going to a Methodist church for the rest of my time going to church regularly. Um, and I really remember nothing about the Baptist church except that there was a lot more singing and I <laughs> thought it was really fun. <laughs> um, That's the opposite of me and my family, or at least me, like, 
the men in my family because we come from like a Lutheran background mm-hmm. where like it's got more than three songs. It's a little too too much for us. Too too joyous. <laughs> too cheery. Well, they're not even not, not even not really. Are that happy. That's true. That's very very true. But like for me, the music was always the most fun yeah, yeah. part about church. It didn't ha- did not matter what we were singing about. I was happy to be singing. So. I blame church on why I can't hold a tune because really? that's the only place I sang, so I could never hear myself. So it's just like. Oh. I was singing and everyone was around me and I never sang on my own. And see, I already had a big enough ego about my singing at that point that I purposefully sang louder than the other people around me because I wanted to hear myself. (laughs) So. (laughs) But yeah, like I was, I'll consider myself raised Methodist. Um, Although. It's not something that stands out like like a fiery Southern Baptist or something Right, like that. exactly. And then right around the time I hit puberty, I guess, I started questioning everything, including religion, and um, started not going to church, um, which I think probably, I don't know if I would say upset people, but more like worried people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know family members, especially my dad, was pretty concerned. Um... And I really haven't gone back since. Like, I'll occasionally go with my dad when I'm home. He actually goes to a, uh, I believe it's a Presbyterian? No, 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 no. Episcopalian. Mm -hmm. It's an Episcopalian church he goes to now. And the pastor is a woman, and she's absolutely fabulous. (laughs) And so I go when I'm home, which is not that often. Um, That's really interesting because C.S. Lewis is... Church of England mm-hmm. and Episcopalian is like the American Church of England. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. That's interesting. I will cut this out if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, leave it in. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I am not an atheist. I probably identified as an atheist when I was starting to question things. Mm-hmm. Like, and also, I kind of felt like being edgy in high school and... Considering my upbringing, edgy meant thinking about being an atheist. (laughs) And I really just think that there's no way for us to know. And I understand that, like, I mean, Lewis writes about it in this book. Like, Mm -hmm. one of the key tenets of this religion, and any religion, obviously, is faith. Mm -hmm. And I cannot relate to that in any way um and i also don't to me personally there's nothing wrong with not knowing and being okay with that and so i if i have to put a label on it i would say i'm agnostic which as someone i was friends with in high school he would quote stephen colbert and call me an atheist without balls Yeah, I'm sure you've heard that. I'm sure I've said it before. Yeah, probably. Um, I don't think you've ever said it to me. Have you? No, I grew out of that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we could get into my opinions, but that's not really what this mm-hmm. episode is about. So. Uh, what? <laughs> what? Isn't this whole episode going to be... Well, I mean, well, okay, we could we could dive in 
just like on its own into oh, all oh, of oh, my oh. personal religious beliefs. Yeah. But let's do it through the lens of this book. Yeah. I was afraid we were going to go into the no spin zone or something. The no spin zone? What is I'm that? I'm pretty mean? sure that's what Bill O'Reilly calls his news corner. It's like, I'm giving you just the facts. No spin. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most bullshit up thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't think I realized that that was a thing, and that's hilarious. Okay, so some basic, I'm not going to like go and do a whole mm-hmm. lot of like plot stuff because first of all, there's no plot. <laughs> this is nonfiction, <laughs> you know, it's theory basically. Um, and I didn't realize this, but in the preface, or I think actually the foreword, because there's both, in the foreword to this both written by Kathleen Norris, um, she talks about the fact that this was written um for the air this was a talk that he gave on the radio um about christianity and what its tenets were right trying to give just like a basic overview of like what christianity is what its followers believe and how they act essentially anyway i found it really really interesting because he talks about how um, in the preface that Lewis actually gives to this his own book, he talks about how this was originally written for the radio and that he doesn't like it when talks for the radio sound like it's an essay being read out loud. <laughs> so he puts lots of colloquialisms mm. in there and contractions like don't or can't. And he says that he purposefully left all of those things in for the written text because he wanted it to be the same as how he would have said it on the yeah. radio. So I thought that was kind of interesting, especially since now we're kind of... I mean, it's not the radio, but <laughs> it's similar. Anyway, so I thought that was kind of cool. There are four book, like four like large chapters mm-hmm. or sections of the book. I have finished three so far um, and do plan on finishing the fourth. So, but really like if I were to sum up the whole thing from what I've read it all comes back to his argument that there is a capital T truth mm-hmm. and it is God. Okay. Um, like he talks about morality and he talks about good and evil and he talks about how people are supposed to act and all these sorts of things. And every single time it always comes back to, no, there actually is right and wrong and it it is not like objective. Am I getting that? No way. Sub- it's not subjective. Yeah. It comes from God. Okay. Um, and you need to be following that mm-hmm. as well as you can. See, and I've read this in high school, I think. Um, if I remember right, like, is he building as he goes this? Like, he starts with this idea of, like, mm-hmm. morality. Especially in the first section of the book. Yeah, and then yes. he just keeps building, like... Building a case for truth, building a case for religion, building a case for Christianity. Yeah. And that's why I think the first book, especially where he's just like building this argument for that there is a capital T truth and it's God, it reads even more than the other sections so much like theory that I Mm -hmm. read in graduate school, but like really approachable theory. (laughs) Like, uh, I mean, 
Well, I feel like that's part of like him writing is if he's talking, like mm-hmm. that's gonna make it really understandable. And that was his purpose too. Like, I don't think he always succeeds, but his whole purpose for this was to like make Christianity understandable to the masses, yeah. kind of. Um, at least in England. Um, so yeah, that definitely comes through. Like it was in a very easy read and engaging read. He's hilarious. <laughs> like if I didn't, first of all, if I didn't know that he was British, I think that I would still <laughs> read this in an English accent, yeah. a very poor one, but still like, I don't know. There's just something very dry about it, which is, you know, like common, I mm-hmm. guess, in stereotypical British humor. Um, and I actually like pulled a couple of things. Can I like read one of them? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So I picked, I picked three. I don't even know if these are the funniest. These are just the ones that I marked, but they're all funny. Like, uh, honestly, there's so many. Cause I remember like several times, like in a row, we'd be reading together and I'd be like, no, wait, I have another. Like, I just have to read this to you cause it's so funny. Okay, so here's one really early on, page seven, and I quote, I go on to my next point, which is this. None of us are really keeping the law of nature. If there are any exceptions among you, I apologize to them. They had much better read some other book, for nothing I'm going to say concerns them. And now, turning to the ordinary human beings who are left, (laughs) unquote, like, (laughs) it's just a very, like... I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but, like, it's not quite, like, mocking, mm-hmm. but, like, it's close. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'll read another one. Okay, so he's talking about, like, how people shouldn't talk about Jesus Christ as just, like, this great moral teacher because he wasn't just human. Mm-hmm. So here's what he says. Quote, a man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. (laughs) Unquote. (laughs) It's just very intense. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And then I have have one more. I'm sorry. (laughs) Talking about including Satan in conversations about religion. Quote, I know someone will ask me, do you really mean at this time of day to reintroduce our old friend the devil, hooves and horns and all? Well, what the time of day has to do with it, I do not know, and I am not particular about the hoofs and horns. I do not claim to know anything about his personal appearance. (laughs) (laughs) I just, like... It makes it so enjoyable to read because I know that, like, a few lines down, there's going to be something else really funny. Um, And I'm sure it made it 
really, really fun to listen to on the radio. <laughs> I was actually thinking about trying to find like an audio book of this, but it wouldn't be the same. Anyway, so now we move on, unless you have any questions so far. No. Now we move on to what I have called things I find interesting. <laughs> and I have a list. So, and these are in no particular order, by the way. Things I find interesting. Number one, he says that only people can forgive. Which to me is like, not what I have heard from, like, anyone else religious that I've ever talked to. Yeah. And I am curious to know what you think about that. Because it's, it's, I think that line comes kind of early when he's still sort of building this argument about like there being an absolute right and an absolute wrong. And it's sort of like forgiveness is, he's, it's very strange because then he goes on to talk about how like, in later chapters how like jesus died for your sins mm -hmm. and like that gives you a clean slate and i'm like but is that not the same thing as forgiveness but he says that people can only people can forgive in this context of like god is really just uh like you're right or you're wrong okay. and only people can like say well you were wrong and like but like i forgive you and like let's move on i mm -hmm. guess i just i found it kind of odd thought it was a weird line have thoughts <laughs> i don't i'd have to read that because like when okay first said it, i was like i don't know like i've actually like stepped on a dog or something and he like still likes me so that's what i was thinking of when you were talking about humans i wasn't thinking about god at all Wait, what do you mean, like? Like when you step on a cat's tail or something. You're like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. oh, like as of... opposed to other animals. Yeah, <laughs> that's I did really not know great. You were talk about God. Yeah, no, I think. Well, oh, well, maybe that is what he meant. Now I'm gonna have to go back and reread it. I don't know. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> animals. <laughs> okay. Things I find interesting. Number two. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So in general, and es like especially in the early chapters and in the preface, he is very explicitly like, I am not going into, I'm not going to go into different theories. Like, I'm going to talk about the things that all Christians agree on. And I'm like, well, that sounds really freaking hard. <laughs> like, that sounds almost impossible. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, go on. <laughs> And several times he's like, you know, I'm only a layman, like, I am not a, like, I'm not a priest, I'm not a pastor, I'm not going to go into all of these different, like, side avenues you can go into. Um, and at one point, uh, when he's talking about Jesus's resurrection, he's like, oh, you know, there are all these theories about how it happened, right? But all that stuff isn't really important. The important part is that it happened. Right. And all the other theories are actually not Christianity. They're explanations for Christianity. Um, but then, like, sometimes he does go into theory and I'm like, you're breaking your rule, Clive. <laughs> like, come on. 
Um, he also says, and I found this very interesting reading it as a non-Christian, that theories should not, like, these other, like, differing theories should never be discussed in the presence of someone who's not already Christian. Hmm. And it's sort of like, uh, this isn't going to help convert them <laughs> kind oh. of mentality. And I'm like, that seems a bit, I don't know, like, devious or something i don't think it's meant to come across that way but i'm like it sounds more like you you don't introduce like i don't know the lord of the rings or something by like talking about like deep lore stuff you like, i guess that's true too yeah. yeah and like you want and honestly like if i went into this book thinking i'm looking for religion mm-hmm. And to be religious, then like this would be a very good book to go to because he it's approachable, it's engaging, and like it's like fairly simply laid out. Like he doesn't go into like at first all of those differing branches of the religion. So that's totally true too. But I just I found that kind of funny, and sometimes he breaks his rule. But that's fine. We all break our rules. <laughs> okay. Next thing is that, and again, this is just something I found interesting. Um, He talks about how when people think about doing things that are right or wrong, they usually consider it in terms of the harm that it will do to other mm-hmm. people. Um, and he says that that's like the absolute wrong way to go to think about it because just because you're not, first of all, I I think he probably would, or it did argue that like, if you're doing harm to yourself, then you're definitely doing harm to other people and like the world in general. Um, but he definitely takes the stance of like, just because you're you theoretically not doing harm to anyone else doesn't mean you're not harming yourself and like your mm-hmm. own moral standing. Um, and if you, <laughs> my takeaway was like, if you want to go to heaven, you better be first and foremost concerned with whether or not your actions and your thoughts are harming your own self. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that others aren't important, but like, that should not be your litmus test for am I doing well in this world? Um, And yeah, I actually don't think that's a bad lesson necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was like an interesting kind of cool takeaway for me. I'm actually going to talk about one other thing that I really liked and then I'm going to go into like Mm -hmm. some more interesting but like critical things so something else that i liked this is pretty simple uh he he has a whole section on charity um and basically what it comes down to is if your charity like if you practicing good charity is not like hampering you (laughs) then you're not doing it right (laughs) and i loved that so much especially since you and i have been talking a lot about (laughs) i don't know like bill gates (laughs) and how like yeah sure like he's donating so much to like the 
people in Africa, but like he still is making more of a profit than he's giving away. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't know, I liked that message too. I could definitely learn how to do that better <laughs> um, for sure, which we've also just talked about right. like how to do that and on a more personal level. Um, but yeah, I, that really resounded with me. <laughs> I think that's always interesting because there's definitely like always this conversation in Christian circles and I'm sure in and in like in general like activist circles of like are you doing enough? Like mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. The answer is almost always no, no. like yeah. you can afford to. But I do think it's interesting that you could probably pair that in ways that are like with you can't consider whether what you're doing is good or right or wrong based on how it affects others. Cause like you have to make sure that like you're affecting yourself well as too. Mm -hmm. Cause like, I'm not concerned about money. Like money is kind of this for certain people. It's just kind of this nebulous thing that like you either have a lot of or not a lot of right. the less you have, the more it matters. Um, and, but like, at least for us, even though we're not like the richest, we do. Okay. But I tend to think more of, like, whether we're doing enough, like, in terms of time. Like, yeah. I love my free time so much. Same. And how much could I be spending doing something better? Or like, Right, like, literally all of it. Nah. But right. you but, could. But then you have to think about your, your own harm, like, yeah. your self-harm. Yeah. Yeah. Are we starting to talk about self-care now? <laughs> We always are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that's good too. Like thinking of charity, not just about, you know, the money that you give, but also your time mm -hmm. and then balancing that with like how much is going to pinch you and how much is going to truly harm you. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good thought. Um, sorry, did you have something else? Related, he does talk a little bit about capitalism and this is where I get a little... <laughs> picky um so he talks about how in the bible he's talking about capitalism and he says that like the ancient heathen greeks and the jews in the old testament and the great christian teachers of the middle ages they all told, uh, quote, all these people told us not to lend money at interest and lending, lending money at interest, what we call investment, is the basis of our whole system, unquote. So they all basically said investment is bad and like you shouldn't do it. And, <laughs> and then he's like, well, you know, like, that's good advice and all, but, like, they couldn't foresee our future. Like, uh, they could not foresee the joint stock company. They were only thinking of the private money lender. Uh, quote, therefore, we need not bother about what they said, unquote. And I'm just like, okay, so you're going to make these excuses for investment in capitalism, but mm -hmm. everything else, like, like, there's... I know this is, like, a common, like, counter to, like, I'm not the first person to make this argument about, like, gay rights and things like that. But, like, people then talk about, like, 
okay, well, the Bible also said that you shouldn't, like, wear clothing of mixed, you know, fabrics or, like, whatever, right? The number of tassels you've had. Right, exactly. But I am sort of like, okay, so this thing, all of these old religious teachers, they all said you shouldn't do it. But because they couldn't foresee the future, it's Mm -hmm. fine. Where, like, when, but, like, he explicitly says that, like, men having sex with, like, C.S. Lewis explicitly says men having sex with men is perverted. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so because all these old people couldn't foresee the future, capitalism is fine, but being gay is a sin. Yeah. And that... It, it just doesn't add up for me. And I know this is an old mm-hmm. argument. It's nothing new. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, that's kind of bullshit. Um, I always find the picking and choosing stuff interesting because it's impossible yeah. to not to. Um, yeah. Especially where portions like kind of go back against each other and figuring out what's supposed to be the word of God and what's supposed to be the word of like a teacher of some mm-hmm. sort. Yeah. But I think the capitalism thing is interesting because, and I know nothing about Clive Staples Lewis's economic <laughs> beliefs besides uh, apparently that joint stock exchanges or whatever are good right. and useful. But it, like the, the very example he gives me is really interesting because I it feels like he is, has, the, this is the picture I get of how he imagines. So I'm, I'm looking at a mirror of a mirror of the joint stock exchange, which is rich people lending money to other rich people and so forth and or people who are not so rich getting a little bit of money to poor rich people who then pay them back more and that to me is like a very optimistic view of how the stock market works in any way very optimistic like this is something i thought way before i even like had any like well not necessarily but like any like real like leftist leanings was that the stock market is has always been to me like this fake gambling thing that you do where you don't necessarily you do not have to care what the company or business or venture is actually doing you only care if the numbers are going up mm-hmm. and, and whereas like I tend to like it's impossible for me to think like where do you think like the joint stock exchange whatever is getting their money from like do you think that's not Coming from people's private money in some way or another? Like, I don't know. No, I I mean, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, when it comes to like picking and choosing, he even like calls people out for doing mm-hmm. that. But I think that even to give him this thing, and I mean, again, like I really enjoyed this book, but... Though I do get picky sometimes with his picking and choosing and his strange decisions occasionally, I don't think that he's trying to make it sound like he is the... Final say. Right, exactly. And I don't think that he's trying to say that, like, all of the rest of you are making these mistakes and I'm not. Mm -hmm. Like, he, I think stays fairly humble in that regard and he's he never implies like you know we pick and choose what we want 
to believe and mm-hmm. some of these things are unpopular and some of them aren't and it's always this we like he's including himself in that and, um so i don't know but i still find fault in it oh, <laughs> so <gotcha>. yeah <laughs> doesn't excuse it <laughs> Okay, so you and I have talked about this a little bit already, but I I wanted to bring it up on the podcast. So um, just this general idea of like, he talks about how, well, first of all, like, I do find it interesting how he's like, I'm, I'm going to talk about things that all Christians agree on. And again, as I said earlier, that's basically impossible. Yeah. But at one point he says that like, he, he implies that like all Christians believe um, that human, like Christians are not just metaphorically part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. They are literally part of Christ's body. Yeah. Um, and so that means when you are doing things in a Christian manner Mm -hmm. that like Christ is acting through you, like you are his fingers, you are his hands. Um, and I don't have, I don't know, on the surface, I don't have any beef with that. (laughs) (laughs) And, but I... I wonder if that mentality could or already does. I really don't know, to be honest. I I have never seen this argument, but I wonder if it could lead to this slippery slope thinking of, well, if being a Christian means you are literally the part of the body of Christ, how does that affect your bodily autonomy? Mm-hmm. Like, he also talks about how, like, you, you, there's this duality, like, you have free will, God has given you free will, but at the same time, you're the body of Christ. So, like, for me, that idea is fine if it all it implies is that no, Christ is acting through you mm-hmm. when you do good deeds. But I wonder if it could lead to arguments about, like, well, if a woman's place is to go forth and multiply and, like, your duty is to have children and, like, you are part of the body of Christ, then it's, I I worry about it being a slippery slope argument to, like, Mm -hmm. you are obligated to have children. Um... So well, I feel like that can happen with with or without the idea that God ab- is. Like, oh, absolutely right. I mean, like, the, oh, there are so many other arguments <laughs> for why you are obligated, right? But I just, it's a thought I had, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if. I mean, I'm assuming. I mean, there's a lot of people in the world. I'm assuming someone has thought this before, right? And, yeah. Um, but just just a concern I had. Well, I feel like that's part of the thing where, and correct me if I'm wrong, because again, I have not read this in a while, but I'm wondering if so many of these possibilities were like, ooh, that could, here's like all the little roads that could possibly lead down to good or bad Mm -hmm. is because of his conversational style where he's not like really going to go into the weeds for everything. He's just kind of talking about that. And I'm not saying like that's a good or reason to do that. 
But if you're giving this kind of like service level thing. But that's the thing. It does leave it open to interpretation in a lot of ways. And obviously that can be a really good thing, but it can also mean like, okay, if you're Mm. like leaving things up, I mean, everything is always left up to the reader's interpretation to some extent, but like, are you leading them in a direction where like their interpretation is going to be a like positive one i guess i I don't know so that's like because i was thinking of the same thing with the slippery slope stuff when you were talking about the you can't just consider whether something is good or bad for other people you have to also consider whether it's good or bad for yourself because that's also a pretty common Mm -hmm. argument when it comes to gay relationships where it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter if you're not hurting anybody like you're sinning so right. you yeah. are doing this terrible thing mm-hmm. and you're going to go to hell like that's why that's why i'm gonna protest this random graduation <laughs> <laughs> yeah westboro baptist church is a pretty common site at k-state graduations so yeah uh f those guys <laughs> um we gotta figure out our censorship policy now it's happened a couple times this i episode. know but yeah and i also going back a little bit Mm -hmm. i really do often take the mind like the mindset of like it's not hurting me it's not their what they're doing is not hurting anybody so why why get all upset about Mm -hmm. it but now i have a little bit better understanding of like okay, it's not really about that. And it doesn't right. mean I agree, <laughs> yeah. but it gives me a better idea of why my mindset isn't connecting to yeah. their argument. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, just going back a little bit. No. Um, so I have a couple things left and they're kind of connected. So I will start with... Something I find negative, but honestly, mostly just really funny. And I'm this this time not laughing with Clive. I'm laughing at Clive. <laughs> and then I will end on what I consider a positive. So. Mm, a roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing I find funny, which if you know me, is probably not going to surprise you, is... Clive's opinions on how wives should obey their husbands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I am not going to read all of this because it is a fairly long uh, passage if I were to read all of it. But um, basically he gives two reasons for why the man should be the head of the house other than the fact that like there is scripture saying, like, wives obey your husbands. And here are his two reasons. Number one, there has to be a head. (laughs) Because he's like, well, like, you could say, why does there need to be a head in the first place? Mm -hmm. He's like, well, there has to be a head of the house because there are only two people in a relationship. And if you both have equal weight, if, if you totally disagree to the bitter end, your choices are either divorce or somebody makes like an overriding decision, right? right? Um, or I guess you just don't speak to each other, which I think he would consider also like, well, I don't know. Uh, cut that. 
Um, so anyway, number one, there has to be a head of the household. Of course. Right. And number two, the head of the household should be the man. And he gives a couple reasons for that. And I actually am going to read like a really short thing because I find this so funny. (laughs) I think (laughs) when I read this to you earlier, when I was actually reading it in real time, I was like, oh, Clive thinks he knows what women think. (laughs) Okay, so... Uh, well, firstly, is there any serious wish that it should be the woman? As I have said, I am not married myself, but as far as I can see, even a woman who wants to be the head of her own house does not usually admire the same state of things when she finds it going on next door. She is much more likely to say, poor Mr. X, why he allows that appalling woman to boss him around about the way she does is more than I can imagine. Like... (laughs) Yes, that is definitely, I don't know. I just, I found that really hilarious. (laughs) So even women who want to be the head of their own household think it's terrible when they see other women doing Mm -hmm. that. Which I mean, okay, like that probably happens, but like there's this thing called internalized misogyny (laughs) and that's what he's describing. Um... And then the other reason why men should be the head of the house is that women, their domain is like the household and the children. And they're very, very protective over those things. And their family, like they're protecting the family, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas like the the husband is free to think about other things. He cares about things beyond the household. So if like the... So basically, like, if the wife were let, were if if she was let to make all of the decisions, everything would just, like, she would never think about the greater good. Like, she right. would just do things to benefit the household and her children. Yeah. So, that felt a little patronizing, a little presumptive, uh-huh. and also, again, really, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um... And, like, I knew that that was probably going to be somewhere mm-hmm. in this book, right? Like, and he, he actually kept hinting about it throughout, like, eventually I'm going to come to this very unpopular opinion about how wives should obey their husbands, but right. not yet. You have to wait. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, like, I at least have to get that far for the podcast. <laughs> um, And then I will end on a related note, but one that I... I think of as more positive. So, um, and I'm just going to read it first and then explain my thoughts. And this is actually in the preface, not in the body of the text or of the body of the book. Quote, I have also said nothing about birth control. I am not a woman, nor even a married man, nor am I a priest. I did not think it my place to take a firm line about pains, dangers, and expenses from which I am protected, having no pastoral office which obliged me to do so, unquote. And I just really appreciated that. And the fact that it was in the preface, I was like, okay, I think, like, this is a good sign. Mm-hmm. I think I am going to enjoy reading this yeah. guy. Um, and I... 
it just felt particularly relevant right now mm -hmm. because there are lots of people making decisions about women's bodies, both women and men. Mm -hmm. um, and I just appreciated that he was like, you know what? I'm not in that position. I am protected and I'm not going to say anything about it because of that. And that really just made me kind of happy and kept me reading. Mm -hmm. So. Well, it's a good thing to like kind of, especially like setting the tone for like giving you an idea of like. Right. Like where this is headed and yeah. like, um, because I will admit like I was resistant. I was interested, but resistant to reading this book. Just the idea of it. I think that while religion obviously can be a very positive influence in people's mm -hmm. lives, um, that obviously, like, like, we're just talking about the Westboro Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. Like, and I know that that's you know, extreme to some extent, but, um, yeah, like to me, religion is also people hating people I love and mm. things like that. And so I always just sort of approach it with a bit of a wall up and that like reading that within the first five pages of the entire text made me feel like, okay, I am, like, willing to approach this openly. Mm. So, yeah, that's all. I need to reread this because it's been so long, but I, I know that my feeling when reading it, and so I've, I, I know quite a few, like, homeschool people or homeschool adjacent mm -hmm. people, very religious um very Christian, very, like, active in their churches, or at the very least from a very large family, <laughs> um, who literally you can just mention mere Christianity and they will, like, they will be able to talk about how, like, that was a very important thing mm. for them to read. Okay. And it felt very, it was very important for me to read when I was in high school because I think that it's very good at making... This is, not, this is not a dunk of some sort, but it's very good at making someone who is already a Christian very sure about them being a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting hearing your point of view from that, and which is why I'd like to reread it, because like you would read me sections, and I'm like, hmm, I don't remember that, and I definitely disagree with that. So, uh, I don't know, like, I, I think that... I don't know. I always find like so many Christians a love of C.S. Lewis and Tolkien mm -hmm. really interesting. But I, I think part of it is that they're like kind of abnormal. Not really. Like they feel abnormal, I should say, in that they are, I don't know, like really good writers who know, know how to make you care about characters. Yeah. And there's like this pretty there's this thing you see a lot and, and I, I i see it a lot because i make a point for some reason to read like uh extreme right-wing political cartoons and things like that <laughs> where people talk about how 
like conservative art is bad and Tolkien and C.S. Lewis are decidedly conservative. They're, they're not necessarily like what like right and left wing we think of in American politics, but still like they are, they, they are writing things that are defending or acting as a metaphor of some sort for the religion that's been pretty dominant for the past thousand years. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting how the people I know who are, who really enjoy it and like I enjoyed as well. I, I don't know where I'm going with this at this point. I just think that's really interesting that something like this is so good at affirming what you already know or what you already feel like you already know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's just saying everything I've already thought. So hearing you talk about things and having this outside idea and like having to talk to me, like, do all Christians really believe in like free will and me getting to talk about like Calvinism and Arminianism and stuff like that. Like that's super fun because no, they don't, Mm -hmm. but he will say that they do. And so even back then I wouldn't have known like just those little intricacies. And now later I know more and like I have a smattering of like religious history, knowledge and stuff. And I, and even outside of that, I'd be really interested in reading it and just saying like, how do I feel about what he's saying and what, like, how does that compare to like how it used to make me feel and how I know like a lot of young teenage Christians feel the first time they read through it and are like, yes, like I'm going through this questioning phase and this is really interesting. And really it's putting this in a, like you were said, it's kind of written like a conversational theory, like, Ooh, mm-hmm. I like, someone's writing about this in an intelligent way and not just trying to make me feel good. And that makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like it's it's not written like towards children, no. right? Like if I I can only imagine and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if my dad tried to get me to read this while I was starting to go through my questioning mm-hmm. phase, but I think that if I had cuz I definitely didn't I would have really appreciated it probably because I wanted, I wanted, I was looking for something that would answer some of the more like intellectual questions I was starting to have, I guess. Um, And yeah, I can see how that would like be definitely fill that hole for someone of that age. So that's really interesting. I'd be happy to talk. (laughs) <laughs> with you about it if you reread it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's what we can do in one year. Well, I was, that and I was going to say, uh, I also actually have never finished the Chronicles of Narnia series. Oh, yeah. I That's ne- extremely interesting to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I never, I never finished A Horse and His Boy. Which I know is your favorite, but I, I thought it was dry, I'm dry, dry like sand. Listen, that was like the beginning of my hipsterism. Was really enjoying. The <laughs> oh my boy god! Because no one else even oh. knows it exists. Like, well, you know what? You and my mom have something in common then, because she loves a horse and his boy. I really liked it. I'm sure it is more racist than I remember. Oh <laughs> sure. Of course it is. Um and I actually never even started uh the last battle. So I was gonna say, you know, maybe in a year mm-hmm. I'll have read those and then 
we'll, we'll just eventually we'll have Clive back in the on the pod. Yeah, back in the hot seat. Yeah, back <laughs> in the studio. I love that every time that you would like kind of like critique something, you're always calling him Clive. Not so much on this, but like when we would like talk about like get your act together, Clive. <laughs> Because Clive is a really funny name. Yeah. Like, who names their child Clive Staples? I don't Clive know. Staples Lewis. No wonder he went as CS. Like, that, I mean, that's a... I know that was a thing back then with J.R.R., but, like, mm-hmm. I would have gone by CS, too. There are so many... I always think it's interesting how many authors will go by initials and i know there's like this whole thing about like women doing it so that they can kind of like mm-hmm. yeah not get, hide but like it's, kind of obscure right gender uh, just a right. bit because people back then probably assumed that a book was written by right. a man unless told otherwise so but like i you definitely see it more whenever there's like a r in their middle name or an s in their middle name i feel like i've noticed because i like i don't know i feel like jrr and C.S. Lewis, like, set that bar, and so many people are like, hey, I've got an S in my middle <laughs> That's something I've literally What's never taken notice I can't remember to. which one it was, but, like, well, for example, like, the writer of Peter Pan is J.M. Barry, right? Sure. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, And then there's this series called Peter and the Star Catchers, or at least that's the first book in the series, which is, like, a prequel-ish like retelling of Peter Pan with like more adventure aspects and less weird England parental issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I can't remember. I feel like the, the one of the authors goes by J.S. Barry, but his last name is with a Y. And I don't know, like that is like a weird theory I've always had that like he's just trying to cash in both on J.M. Barry and C.S. Lewis at the same time. <sighs> You're hilarious. Thank you. I'm loving this theory. <laughs> I have never noticed this in my life. So as far as I know, you are totally right. Well, no, I, I could be 100% wrong. It might just be people using their initials. And a lot of people have staples as a middle name. <laughs> yes, specifically staples. Yeah. Everyone with an S middle name your name, middle name is now Staples. Do you think that Staples are named after the person who invented them? No, it's probably named after the company. <laughs> out of here. Anyway. <laughs> this has been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do we have coming up next? Well, we are originally going to do uh, Dune next week. But it has been taking longer than I originally planned, what with we've been doing traveling and I just started a new job, so things have been a little more up in the air than I would have hoped. So I think I'm going to be reading a shorter book instead, maybe putting that up next week, kind of like uh, to get us back on normal schedule. Um, so I think what I'm going to do, we're going to make June uh, Jesus Month, and I will be reading the gospel according to Peanuts. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye.